Get ready for the Synthesizer Library podcast. Because, let's face it, synthesizers are just cool. Okay, welcome to the Synthesizer Library podcast. I'm Adam Anderson, and this podcast is a little bit late this month. Um, Got ready for a family trip and ended up not being able to get it done before I left, but I brought some stuff with me. And while everyone is taking a break doing the family stuff, I decided I'm going to record the podcast. So that's why it might sound a little bit different, slightly different equipment, and I'm stuck in the corner of a hotel room. But So it might be a little bit interesting this time. Anyway, um, the podcast this time is going to be featuring the Novation Base Station, one of the original uh, models. and But before I get into that, I just wanted to cover a little bit of business and wanted to thank those who participated in a little discussion about the podcast on Reddit. And um, it just kind of came up from somebody else. And there was some good healthy feedback on what this podcast should cover and what's good and what's maybe not so good about it, which I appreciate. And um, if you are ever looking for an online community, uh, about synthesizers, I highly recommend reddit.com slash r slash synthesizers. It's a, it's a good, healthy forum. I stop by every once in a while, check out what's going on, and um, just generally a very nice group of people. So check that out if you're looking for some advice on synthesizers. Maybe you're trying to get something to work that you just can't. They generally don't like topics like, hey, I have $100 and what should I buy? That sort of thing. But if you have some good questions or want to show something off, it's a good place to go. There we have the first preset on the Novation base station. This is the rack model, and it's the synth I'm going to be talking about today. It is an analog monophonic synth. It has two oscillators one LFO, two envelopes, and that's pretty much it for the sound generating functions. But it also has some neat things where, since it's a, it's a monophonic synth, it has a way of chaining multiple base station units together to create a polyphonic synth if that's something you wanted to do. And you could have different settings for each voice on each unit. It also has an external input into the filter. And this is kind of cool. It can act as a MIDI to CV converter. So it has MIDI ins and outs. And it also has gate uh, CV and gate output. So you could use it to interact with a modular system if you don't have some other way of doing MIDI to CV. This is a great way to do it. And just because it's called Bass Station, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bass synthesizer. It's really capable as a monophonic synthesizer as a lead or anything else where you might use a monosynth. Um, let's hear a few more of the sounds. Another convenient uh, feature on the rack model is the audition button right on the front, which is kind of like a one-key keyboard, which seems kind of silly, but it's pretty handy for auditioning a sound while you're creating it. And, for example, 
you get the idea. So without even having a keyboard, you can audition the sound, twiddle some knobs, and get some instant feedback, which is just great. The LFO can be assigned to modulate either the pitch of the oscillators or the pulse width of the oscillators or the filter cutoff. And the LFO can operate with three different waveforms. It can either be running a sawtooth wave or a triangle wave, or it can be running sample and hold, or sometimes called random. Now, the sawtooth wave has a has a slow rise and a sharp cutoff. Um, the the triangle wave is sounds more smooth, sounds almost like a sine, and then of course sample and hold is just kind of random and really pretty cool actually. So to demo that, I'll start with the uh, the LFO modulating the cutoff frequency of the filter uh, using the first the sawtooth then to the triangle, and then to the sample and hold. Now, there are a couple of things I didn't realize about this synth when I got it. Um, first of all, I didn't realize that the one I got secondhand was broken, and it was a really easy fix. It, and I couldn't quite figure out exactly what was wrong with it. I just The controls didn't quite seem to do what they were labeled, and they, I just wasn't getting what I wanted out of it. And I put it away, put it up on the shelf for actually a couple of years, thinking I'll get to it and figure out what's wrong. And finally, uh, actually not too long ago, opened it up and discovered that one of the ribbon cables that connects the control, uh, the knobs and switches to the actual sound generating circuit board had one ribbon cable that was plugged in one position off. And so it made everything, that everything still did something. It just didn't do what it was supposed to do. And anyway, I'm sure that's not a common problem, but if you have the base station rack and it's just not quite right you might check that um the other thing i didn't realize it when i about it when i first got it is it was designed to emulate another famous bass synthesizer the roland tb303 and it has more features than the 303 did uh as far as the sound generating and, but it does not have the onboard sequencer. So if you use some sort of external sequencer or just a MIDI keyboard, something like that, to drive this thing, you can really get those famous 303 sounds out of the base station. And if you looked at prices of the Roland 303 lately, the TB303, you'll see that they're, I don't know, they're probably up into several thousand dollars now. And the base station can be had for a couple hundred. So... Uh, I'm always budget-minded when I'm looking for synths, and this is a pretty good way to go to get both a mono synth and a good bass synth. Um, the differences between the Novation Bass Station and the TB303 are very well documented in the manual for the bass station. Basically, the idea is you have to make sure the filter is set to the 12 dB per octave, and you have to turn the mix knob so that only a single oscillator is present in the sound and from there you can really shape the sound the same way you would on a TB303.
And that reminds me that I wanted to show off the differences between the 12 dB per octave filter and the 24 dB per octave filter. It's the same filter, but uh, with a switch that controls the mode, whether it's 12 or 24. And just a little backstory, if you're not familiar, the 24 dB per octave filter, uh, it's a, they're both low-pass filters, but it's just how sharply the filters are cut off. So it's uh, the 24 dB per octave filter will have less high frequencies than the 12 dB per octave. And so here's what it sounds like. I'm going to start with just kind of a plain sawtooth waveform. The filter cutoff frequency is set right about the 12 o'clock position. And the resonance is just uh, maybe about the 9 o'clock position. Just that accentuates the cutoff frequency just a little bit so you'll be able to hear it. So here goes. I'm going to toggle between the 12 dB per octave and the 24 dB per octave. And you should be able to hear the difference. The 24 dB per octave setting sounds darker, even though the cutoff frequency, uh, the cutoff point hasn't changed. Now, when you bring in the resonance a little bit higher, the difference is even more apparent. Check this out. The resonance in the 24 dB per octave setting sounds a lot more uh, like feedback almost from a guitar amp. It, it really, uh, well, really resonates at that cutoff frequency. And to continue the backstory a little bit on the differences between the filters, uh, traditionally the 24 dB per octave filter is more associated with the Moog filter, the, the original Moog ladder filter, and the 12 dB. 12 dB per octave filter is more, it's more commonplace. You find it on Roland and Korgs and Vintage. And these days, you find a lot of them, like this one, have a switchable filter where you can try out both on your sound. Just be careful when you're switching between the two. And if you have the resonance pretty high, the 24 dB per octave resonance is going to be quite a bit uh, more apparent than the 12 dB per octave. That's probably enough talk about 12 and 24 dB per octave filters, don't you think? So that was just to show off that it also has oscillator sync between the two oscillators, which we've covered in depth already in other episodes. But uh, in this instance, I set it so that the pitch of oscillator 2 was controlled by the envelope which kind of made it sweep across, make vowel-like sounds as you trigger each note. And of course, I alluded to the fact that it also has pulse width modulation available on the oscillators. And there are a couple of options for that. It can either be manually controlled by the little control right, on, right above the pulse width switch, or you can assign it to be controlled by the envelope or by the LFO. And it's a little bit confusing. The, I had to turn to the manual for this because it seemed like the LFO was not really uh, affecting the pulse width according to how I had the LFO set. And it turns out that there is another internal LFO that's dedicated just for PWM pulse width modulation. And it's not controllable at all. It's just a fixed LFO. And so I'm going to demo the pulse width modulation controlled by the LFO and you should be able to hear 
the speed and shape of that LFO. Sounds to me like a triangle wave uh, at a fixed rate, obviously. There's no control for it. Uh, Seems kind of odd to me that you wouldn't be able to control that LFO, but I guess that's just the design, and it works pretty well. And I should have mentioned earlier that the two oscillators, oscillator 1 and 2, can each either be set to a saw wave or a pulse wave, um, and that pulse obviously can be controlled by that modulation source. And that really does it for the sound design function of the base station rack. The only other control on the front panel is for the portamento, which is somewhat important for a mono synth. And it, uh, it goes all the way from very slight portamento to just a ridiculously uh, long portamento time. See what I mean? And now how about a few more of those presets?
have this really short headphone cable on these headphones and it keeps getting in the way. So hopefully that worked anyway and you get the idea. They weren't the best demos, but you can get a feel for what it sounds like. It sounds nice, right? It's a, it's a good analog monophonic synth. One thing I'm still trying to figure out on this synth is how I'm going to add it to the patch library at synthlib.com because you really have to be able to see what each parameter is set to and you don't get that kind of feedback, unfortunately. You turn a knob and you, there's no numeric display that shows uh, where that knob was set and where it's set to now as you turn it. You just have to do it all by ear. So in order to, to upload those settings to the website, it, I think you'd have to go through a MIDI system exclusive editor, which is not a bad thing, but it's Without that, there's really no way of knowing what your settings are for any given patch. Other than that, I think uh, this synth gets the Adam Anderson thumbs up, seal of approval. It'll probably serve you well. Uh, it's really analog on a budget, and it sounds great. So thanks for listening, and hopefully next month I'll be back with the coverage on the Prophet 12. So if you have any questions or if you have it and you have some tips to pass along to the community, Go ahead and shoot them my way at adam at synthlib.com or on the contact form at synthlib.com. And yeah, hope to see you guys back next month. Thanks.